Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey friends, and welcome to an episode of At The Table. I'm so glad that you're joining me back at the table to talk about women and leadership in the SBC. There's so much going on in the network, and we are vamping up for trying to get ready for the SBC and all of the different and fun things that are coming up um, just for women. It's just a really exciting time. And so I hope that you're joining us over in our Facebook group and that you are getting able to meet and connect with other women that are serving all across the nation in the planet. Um, But today I'm really excited about the conversation. I get to have my friend Katie McCoy join and we are going to talk about this whole conversation of women and um, education and seminary and certificates and all of these (laughs) things. I get this question so many times, especially from young women in ministry. And so I'm really excited just to tackle um, this subject and who I get to tackle it with, the beautiful Katie McCoy. So Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Jackie. So fun to be here. We are recording right before lunch, or well, I should say, I eat lunch really early. I was really glad whenever I had kids because I didn't look so odd as the only adult eating at 11 o'clock, but <laughs> my stomach is already growling, and so <laughs> I'm really hoping that that's not um, going to come through the recording, so I don't know. Are you we won't tell anybody ready? if it does. We won't. <laughs> okay, good. good. <laughs> um, so Katie, tell us a little bit just about you. Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so I was a pastor's daughter growing up and um, came to Christ when I was 16 years old. It was in my junior year of high school. I was a music major and I went to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. Nice. Such a great school, but I went as a as a music student. So there were things that I had no idea the Lord was going to do in my life. I graduated and got... Um, kind of all in track to do a master's in music theory and started working at my church. And it was from working in my church as an administrative assistant that I found such a joy in wanting to serve my church. And I found the Lord just inclining my heart towards ministry. And I uh, just felt this very strong sense that I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do on the other end of it, but I wanted to do ministry. I wanted to serve God um, in full-time vocational ministry. And I call it holy hunches, but it's what led me to Southwestern (laughs) and to the Master of Divinity degree and I did a concentration in women's studies. Learned so much uh, with that, discovered a joy of writing and writing on cultural issues. And then from there, did um, a PhD in systematic theology. And it kind of evolved from there, had opportunities to teach, found a love of teaching. And so now I'm teaching at Southwestern in both our undergraduate and our seminary programs in uh, women-specific theological education. So we are we are building a lot here. We have some incredible students. They are called to diverse ministries and uh, just very gifted, strong women. 
Very cool. Okay, so I have several questions. Yeah. Whenever you talk about music, like, is that you singing or like an instrument or <laughs> what, what? what is that? Especially coming from somebody that does no music at all, except like uh, the occasional jam to Taylor Swift. Um, there you so, go. Um, <laughs> so when you say music, what were you studying? I, uh, I've played the harp since I was seven. Shut up. That's cool. I know. And right now it's so funny. I'm looking at it. It's in my office with a little cover on and I am forever saying one of these days I'm going to pick it up again so oh, yes cool. someday so, maybe summer so Davidic of you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> okay and then when you talk about being and starting this is good okay and I've already chatted with this a little bit on one of the episodes with Ashlyn Portero and um, because she started as an admin position too so tell mm. me that church was that like your home church that you grew up in or the church that you went to in Jackson Tennessee um, it was actually was um, my, my dad's church um, and so he okay. was a pastor in the St. Louis area for uh, over a decade. And um, so it was so funny. There was just an opening all of a sudden. The administrative assistant um, uh, retired and they needed someone to fill in for just a summer until they could find a more permanent person. And I thought, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to be home. I can help with that. Um, and then in, I was able to serve there for the summer and the fall before moving to Southwestern that next uh, winter. Um, but it really was incredible to see how just doing little things, doing, uh, taking ideas for ministries and helping bring them to fruition, um, wanting to do something with excellence, wanting to help see people find opportunities to get involved in a ministry. And it really was through serving that, mm -hmm. that God called me to serve. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of a good lesson when we wonder, what do we do with the rest of our lives? What do we do next? And you just start serving where you are. Yes, and it's that. incredible to see how God will just use that to kind of direct and shape and form uh, the next step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And same kind of story for me. Like I started as a intern. Well, really, I started as just volunteering in my home church doing mm -hmm. girls ministry there. Um, and then I got an internship position at First Dallas. And then um, oh. I became the secretary. Like, so that's always a fun story. Oh, my goodness. Josh and I got married. So I did. Um, I was the church secretary at the first church that we served at together. And I learned so much. And so um, it's really an encouragement, I hope, to mm -hmm. our listeners that it may be an opportunity that does not seem like, well, that's not my gift set or mm -hmm. that's not um, the title that I want, you know, um, but there is so much that God does and that God teaches you in some of those unmet um kind of like unexpected, you know, possibilities and stuff for jobs and everything. It's and very so, true. Um, so I love that. I love that that's part of your story too. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of the wrestle and the process. What did it look like whenever that holy hunch that you're talking mm -hmm. about? Um, and then how did you tackle that? Like, how did you decide where you were going to go? Um, what you were going to study? What did that look like with mm -hmm. your dad and mm -hmm. uh, those around you just kind of affirming those giftings in you and that calling? Um, um, unpack that a little bit for me. Yeah, I, honestly, in a word, it was it was kind of scary <laughs> when I think back at it because I was 22. Um, 
And, and I, I think back to, gosh, that was 12 years ago now. And I don't know if it's because I was in my early 20s or because this was just, it was from the Lord. But uh, I think about making such a bold move in, in, you know, relocating and changing directions now. And I think, my word, I was very brave. <laughs> I don't know if I have that now. Hopefully, hopefully so. But uh, it, it was very kind of scary because I had some things very mapped out. They were very secure and safe. You could go, I could go get a job just being at, at some college with a music program. Um, in terms of the actual calling, it was, it was really something. I, so I, I came to Southwestern in 2008. Before that, um, I had contact with, um, the eighth president uh, and his wife here at Southwestern, Paige and Dorothy Patterson. And, uh, Mrs. Patterson really built a lot for women's theological education, and she uh, just encouraged me to consider the Master of Divinity degree with the women's studies. Now, when I heard Master of Divinity, I thought, I can't do that. I'm a girl. I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to mm. be a pastor. Mm. You know, like, why would I do a Master of Divinity that's only for the men? But when I, when I got the encouragement, to go for the MDiv, I started to see just how valuable it is for women to do that, to mm -hmm. be capable in Greek and Hebrew, to uh, have the tools to study for yourself, to uh, really immerse yourself in the in the theological conversations, to be sharpened by them. Um, I'm so glad that I did it because it helped me launch into a lot of different types of ministries, types of interests. Um, and so I think for women who are considering seminary to uh, come to seminary and get as much theology as you can mm -hmm. is yeah. is one of the greatest uh, perspectives. Um, I met a girl here a few years ago and she she left after a semester and it was really unfortunate. She was doing a different degree um, and she told me the only class she liked happened to be like a theology class. And I said, well, girl, you're probably supposed to be, you know, just in a different degree. You should probably be in the end of degree. And she went, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. That would take too much time. And I was like, yeah. oh, no, you already moved here. Why would you just sort of not spend just an extra year to, to do something that is is interesting and, and following your 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 passions and what you enjoy and unfortunately she um i believe she left after one semester and had she just been open to you know spend an extra year there would have been a lot more available to her on the other end of the spectrum though jackie i have a, yeah. a dear friend she was in the mdiv and she was absolutely miserable like mm -hmm. like cried at the thought of having to do some of the classes <laughs> she switched to a master of arts in christian education she loves it she uses yeah. it every day of her ministry and so really it just depends on how did god wire you and however god wired you uh there is a way to nurture and fan that flame through your education so that you are ready to launch into the ministry God has for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I can totally resonate with, you know, I wanted to cry several times with Hebrew. So, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Even, even those of you that are, uh, you know, like, yes, I love the theology and the harder things. Like, and I think you're kind of bringing it up. It's hard. You know, it is it hard is. to stretch your mind. It is definitely a sacrifice to like pour your life into education and stretching your mind. Um, another class that comes to mind is ethics, you know. Yeah. And, and that's required. And those are things that I think just haven't even been talked about in the church, much less. And mm -hmm, so there's this mm -hmm. very specific, um, 
just training that you get with delving into seminary education and stuff like that. And so, and it's needed. And I remember um, before I decided to go to Criswell, I just thought I need to know everything I can about this book and and the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was so daunting. But at the same time, I knew this is what I needed to do to be able to minister and lead well, you know, was to take in as much as I could. And so- Exactly. Talk to me a, a little bit about, um, I guess maybe kind of, and you hit on it a little bit, just that stigma that whether it was communicated to us in, with men um, in our in our stories and in our spheres, or if it's maybe just the lie. This is honestly where I think we get a lot of it, just the lie of like, I can't do seminary, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm working a job or I'm a mom or, um, you know, that's for my pastor. That's not for me. So what would mm-hmm. you kind of tell the woman that maybe is kind of believing? that and saying, I think I might, I might need to go, but at the same time, I don't know that this is for me. How would you answer that? Sure. I'll tell you what my dad told me. He said, no one ever regretted getting more education. Mm. When you think about that, it's so true. No one ever regretted getting more education. I got to do a couple classes two years after I graduated with my doctorate and they just helped me find uh, new conversations, guided reading, things that sharpened me as a teacher, as a believer. We all need to keep growing. Um, Seminary isn't necessarily for everyone if you think that you're going to go to a full-time vocational ministry. However, if we are all theologians and I believe that that's true we are all people who open our Bible and do theology every day and if you are a woman especially if you are a mom you are doing theology every day with your children you are forming their view of scripture of God of themselves of their world in ways that you're probably not even aware that you are and so how uh, much responsibility do we have that we as influencers need to be influencing the those within our sphere Uh, according to what is true. Mm -hmm. One of the best things that I found in seminary education is that moment where you have a glimpse and it's often just this sense of of very humbling wonder of just how much you don't know. Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. (laughs) And it's so funny because I, towards the end of my education, I haven't, and even on the other side of finishing PhD work, I have this sense of, I just feel like I don't know very much. Like mm-hmm. I just got to keep reading. And, and I think that is, um, it's a mark of continued growth that we come to conversations with um, a desire to learn, N- not necessarily a desire to to judge or, or speak that we adjudicate a certain situation, but even if we have our convictions, we have an open mind to hear someone out and say, okay, can I learn something from this? Can this help me understand something better? Mm-hmm. Or uh, to have that kind of perspective. Um, and, and another thing seminary will do, you read people with whom you disagree, but under the um, the theological sort of you think about bowling, they're like bumper guards. Mm-hmm. Your your seminary in our, our Southern Baptist seminaries, your professors are like your bumper guards. You know, you're reading things that you need to know, even those with whom you would strongly disagree, within the context of these bumper guards to just keep you from going the wrong direction. Because the reality is we face those ideas out in ministry. We may mm-hmm. not have people who have read different books, but but we face the concepts. And so to work through them, 
in uh, kind of this pressure cooker environment of intense study, it's going to prepare you to have ears trained to uh, hear teaching that is concerning or, or false or, or dangerous to those within your, under your care. And it also helps you learn how to uh, not only help teach, but, but safeguard and then become the bumper guards for other people. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think I remember going into school thinking, okay, they're going to tell me what to think you know Mm. like they're going to tell me the right answer and that's very much me you know like I'm very logical like a plus b those kind of things and I remember getting so frustrated like but what's the right answer you know like tell me I know we can like study all of the different views and stuff but which one's right you know and like that's the one that I need to know so that I can make sure everybody else knows and um same exact thing like we were a week out from graduation and I remember telling Dr. Barry um I took systematic um my theologies with him and telling him and looking him in the face and saying I feel like I know less now than I did whenever I first started yep. at school and he said then you're ready for ministry and I'm like it's but that's so not the right true. answer <laughs> so true you know, like, but it's been so humbling and I think exactly like you said it's more of that how you're going to listen how you're going to converse how are you going to think deeply about these things and it was nothing that I had ever experienced before you know like in church um, and discipleship and stuff like that like I had never really been challenged that way and so Mm -hmm. I love what you're saying and just um It's not, you don't go to seminary to get the right answers. And I think that's a common misconception, you know, or to get smarter. Um, Although I think some of those things may happen along the way. I would hope we would say that we're smarter, you know, and more developed. But at the same time, there's such a humbling and a excitement of Mm -hmm. there's no way I'm going to be able to unpack all of this, you know, because it's God. And and so Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about just some of the differences, because obviously I think some people are listening and they're thinking, yeah, this is great. I would love to do that one day, maybe when I retire or um, like there's no room now. There's no time for that in my schedule. So how would you answer and what other options are there um, besides just going for the MDiv, the 90 degree or the 90 hour degree? What are some of the legs, I guess, stair steps and possibilities that really it fits anybody's schedule if they want to kind of tackle this. Well, you're right. The MDiv is, it's kind of the flagship degree. It's that standard bearer degree. I think now at Southwestern, we're down to 88. Just <laughs> We're really excited about that too. Um, but the different degrees, there are so many different options that you have. I would recommend start small, but start where you are. You can take a class online You can do that in um, what's called a certificate. I'm not as familiar with the different schools, but I can tell you at Southwestern, we have a certificate in leadership and women's ministry. We have a women's studies certificate. We have women who, uh, some are professional women, some are ministry wives, and they take these courses that are focused courses on um, studying women's issues, discipleship for women. Basically, what tools are they gonna need to be thrown into a ministry and, and connect with the women around them and and serve them according to the needs that they have. The other option you can do, we've got, of course, like Christian education. We have um, different, we, we go up to doctoral work too, um, not necessarily in women's specific stuff, but we have women's ministry and then women studying different disciplines. It really just depends on where you are and what your goal is. Now, when I say goal, 
Um, a lot of times people hear that and think that you need to have a very clear sense of um, what what it's going to look like on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Yeah. Um, our brothers, uh, they have specific titles, you know, pastor, church planter, that type of thing. We have, um, I think, particular roles that we come in and fill according to our different seasons. We have very varied ministries. And so uh, the ministries that I see my sisters in are as different as they are. Um, And so it just depends on what is it that God has put in your heart to do. And don't discount just what you're interested in. Even if you don't have a full plan, you can say, oh, you know what? I'm really interested in this topic in apologetics, or I'm really interested in how do I create a discipleship plan for women? How do I uh, understand the issues that are out there affecting women the most? And so you can find what is is going to fit your life best. And then now, of course, um, the miracle of technology, you can actually uh, enroll in what's called flex access classes. Um, I have students that join me from all over and they can log in live. They can uh, catch the recording later. I had one student, Jackie, who took my class while she was in Paraguay. Wow. That's Paraguay. Cool. Yeah. I know. And so she was on mission there. And uh, it's just amazing how we're able to connect with people all over the world. So yeah. there's really no reason not to. Yeah, I love that. And as so currently, I'm a student at Southeastern. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of my stuff is online. And so I'm a mom. I've got three boys. You know, we're in the middle of school and stuff for them. I lead our women's yeah. ministry um, doing this, you know, the Women's Leadership Network. And so it's so like more than ever, there is so much at your fingertips, not mm-hmm. only like officially um, signing up for classes and those kind of things, but there are so many other free resources as well through LifeWay, through Ministry Grid. I mean, there is just yes. so much out there. Um, and so there really there really isn't an excuse. Um, and so if this is something that you're feeling like, oh, I need to develop, you know, like reach out to us. I know Katie mm-hmm. obviously would love to help. Um, there's so many that I think have just great nuggets and resources that they would love to pass on to you for you to get that training. Um, Even just that encouragement that comes with the training. I think that's something that is probably not measured very much, but it's huge and just feeling you like you're more equipped to do what you're doing. And so I love that. Um, Okay, so we are running out of time and I really want to tackle this because I think you're just one of the, you're so sweet and so sharp. And so I love that um, I can ask you this and know that we're going to get an honest and raw answer, but Go as for well as it. encouraging. So <laughs> I want to know. So uh, let me ask, how old are you? I am 34. Okay. That's what I thought. Me too. Woo-hoo, okay. Club. Um, okay. So I want to know as a young woman in the SBC, a young single woman in the mm-hmm. SBC, I think there are so many that are listening that um, there's obviously kind of this presentation sometimes that you have to have the husband, you know, and you have to do ministry alongside um, a spouse and those kind of things. And we have not really tapped into just the beauty of that singleness of working out God's will in that season of your life. And so can you maybe talk to me just a little bit about what that has been like for you? and how you would encourage other women that are listening um, and even those of us that are married, you know, and stuff like how do we encourage some of our single women that Mm -hmm. are so incredibly sharp and doing so much for the kingdom? How do we really kind of encourage and push them along in their walk with the Lord? 
I'm so grateful for that question. Um, you, I know you probably noticed that there's this phenomenon of more and more believers remaining unmarried longer. And uh, I don't have data to back this up, but it certainly seems as though there are more women than men in the church mm-hmm. who are single longer. Um, there's a lot that we could get into with that as to, as to why that is. I think that there's a part of us that we millennials are influenced by our culture and have probably brought that into our relationships in some ways kind of looking for this search for perfect or this this uh, self-actualizing life. Um, when we bring it into ministry, it's uh, it's something that, in all honesty, it's very painful because I, I've asked the Lord so many times, you know, why is this? What what's what am I missing? And and it's all the natural, raw, honest questions. Um, I, the only thing that I can say, and then I've heard people say, you know, you have your greatest impact out of like your 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 pain, not necessarily the the things that you want people to see. Um, I can say that this is the area of my life where my um, broken areas in my perception of who God is kind of come to the surface. And I think for a lot of single women, uh, how we perceive God, um, how we relate to the Lord, how we relate to ministry, uh, when we have that kind of unanswered prayer, that's what unanswered prayer does for us. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a gift in a, in a way when we're looking at it from the perspective of eternity because it's diagnosing and bringing to the surface things that we didn't know were there. Yeah. And so that is in the sense that we're looking for it to be redemptive. It, it is that. Uh, I think one thing that um, I, I can tell you, and I try to help my my students with this too. A lot of times, for single women, same with married women, you look at the life that you don't have, and you think, "Well, that must be real living. That must be that must be what I I really." wish that I had and I'm, I'm missing somehow. Mm-hmm. And when we grapple with that, that, that sense of, of longing for significance, for peace, um, what we're longing and hungering for really is a very God-shaped whole, to borrow from the theologian who, who said that. I think it might have mm-hmm. been Schaefer. Um, but, but what we're looking for is, is a very, um, a God-shaped longing, and we're not going to be able to find that in a person anyway. I think we have to deal with that as believers before we can look at our singleness as ministers. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if you're constantly looking for that that one unfulfilled longing to give you the sense of meaning, or I have arrived, or now my life is complete, it's going to elude us every time. Mm. So there's the core spiritual issue, but then there's the practical issue. Um, I have to really come to terms with, okay, do I believe that 1 Corinthians 7 is true, or don't I? And if it is true, then what Paul, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying is, hey, Katie, so um, you actually have it better than you might think. And there are things that God created you to do that he wired you to do, and you wouldn't be able to do them in a different life circumstance. So don't don't desire marriage so much that you're just going to miss out on what he's given you to do. Um, and again, that comes back to a sense of value. Where are we finding our value? Is it in doing the will of the Father? Or um, is it in, I-, I won't be happy until God gives me this? Mm, so yeah. to the single woman out there, 
know that you're not alone. Um, know that God will work this together for your good. Um, it may, we don't necessarily know how, how it's going to end statistically. I guess most of us, like what, 90% of us end up getting, getting married. Um, but, but the truth is that, that if God is truly our father, then this season is, is designed on purpose. This season, he's not forgotten about us. He is working something together for us that we, that we need more than we even realize. Mm -hmm. So again, that's where it all goes back to the fatherhood of God these unfulfilled things they bring to the surface where we need to relate to God differently and allow him to heal things um, so that whenever he does give us the gift we are using it as he wants us to use it we're relating it to or relating to it according to a gift not our source of life mm, I love that and I think that's good theology for anybody, just like you said, like there is nothing here that is going to completely quench the Mm -hmm. discontentment because we're not supposed to be content here. It doesn't matter what that next phase is, you know, and I think so much for women, um, probably men too, like we just operate in a, okay, let's just get through this season. And Mm -hmm. then once that Mm -hmm. season starts, it'll be better. And that has to be exposing of our hearts that, (laughs) you know, like we are just constantly not satisfied. And I love how you're pointing everybody. Um, not just single women, that that source of discontentment, that source of unsatisfaction is because we're not we're not where we're supposed to be, right? Mm. Um, so I want to kind of throw a hard question at you, and I want you to totally be honest. Okay. okay. Um, but what are some of the things that are annoying whenever people like maybe married women um, and they're talking to you about singleness and stuff like that? Like, what are some of the like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear this, or this isn't helpful. Like, do you, and I'm, yes. I'm putting you, I'm putting you on the spot right now. Yes. I know. It's um, so funny. Yeah. There, <laughs> so there are, are those. some of those things. Okay. So I have to preface it with this. I have to ask myself sometimes, okay, it, can I be kind of self-pitying over myself when when people will say something out of a spirit of trying to be encouraging but the way I receive it is well that's not what I wanted to hear so I kind of miss their heart that they're trying to lift me up they're trying to be encouraging and then I hear that is that's that's so not helpful and as though as though everybody should know exactly what I need to hear (laughs) and and exactly what to say and not say and ends up shutting it down Um, some of the things that I think uh, it's it's like anything that when we try to n- have um, an easy answer for things that that aren't working out the way that that we hoped that they would. Um, I think one of the most helpful things to help each other as single women that we can do is help each other find places of meaningful service and connection. Mm. Um, I think if I if I was going to be really blunt and say the thing that I just can't stand the most is. Well, it's going to happen for you when you stop looking for it yes. or when you stop yeah. uh, thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, well, you might as well have told me to just not think about pink elephants because now <laughs> <laughs> how do I stop that? But it's really what, what we all need is, um, I think, to expand our view of the world, um, our view of our place in the world, mm-hmm. and um, the impact that we can have all around us in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our families. Um, and I think when we get our eyes off of what we don't have 
and we start cultivating what makes for a full life. It's not that it just, I don't think it's even realistic to think that it just, that the desire goes away or the, the pain that you feel around engagement season goes away. My word, I think that every other day one of my students is getting engaged now (laughs) and it's so exciting and then there's that natural okay well lord maybe someday my chance is going to come um i think that that scripture everything we see in the psalms invites us to be real with that uh not to try to get over it we have this very american idea that we're supposed to just get over those things and and we're not we we carry them with us along with the joy Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're blunt because I think it's really good for some of us that are not single. Um, But even as leaders, like we are going to be brushing shoulders with a ton of people. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the worst things you can say is, well, one day you're going to get married, you know, and it's like, okay, so I'm just on the sidelines until I get married. And then I'm mad all of a sudden, you know, like, and I think, like you said, we're trying to be hopeful and encouraging, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's completely taking out purpose in the season that they're in. Um, And so I love that charge. So for me specifically and leading women's ministry, it is my responsibility to be seeking after some of these single women and what they have to offer and giving them that meaningness, kind of like you're talking about, like, and also keeping them in mind that everything that our churches offer do not need to be in the guise of being a wife and a mom. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. There's so much more to all of us than just those two definitions, I think. And for a long time, I think that's kind of how women's ministry and how people view women in the church and we're missing a huge sect there and so um i really love just that encouragement of not disregarding where they're at but then Mm -hmm. also just talking about like let's go and let's do this together you know and it doesn't matter like we can do ministry together and that's not a defining thing um and so I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you just being blunt with it. So I'm sure there's like a lot of amens from, from some of our uh, like, yes. So, um, okay. So last question for uh-huh. you. What is your encouragement to women all across the SBC who are leading? What is maybe some of those just nuggets of advice that um, you've gotten from other leaders or that you've learned? What is just your kind of final encouragement to women who are leading in the SBC? Mm, I'll tell you the one that I come back to and it comes from I first heard it from Pastor Alistair Begg he said the best place to serve the Lord is the place where he sets you down hmm. and uh, it's in our nature to always be comparing and uh, I forget who it was that said comparison is the thief of joy um, we we have an opportunity to embrace where God has us and to invest in the people in it or to compare the following, the platforms, the audiences of others, and ascribe significance to whatever it is that we don't have. So I would encourage every sister out there, dig your heels in where you are. If, if you know this is where God has called you, then own it. And, and own it knowing that you're going to give an account to the Lord one day for what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happens, just remember, we're not going to be asked by the Lord how we compare with our, each other, our sisters. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. really, our, our role with each other should be to encourage each other. And, and sometimes that involves, you know... It, admonishing and correcting but but by and large it should be encouraging each other and lifting each other up um but but really god is going to ask you what you do with the opportunities that he has given you and then the second thing i would say is um 
keep as many bridges as you can. You know, keep those connections with people. Keep keep learning from each other. Keep listening to each other. Um, I wrote this on our our um, our group wall recently, like the the leadership tip of you know read people with whom you disagree. Listen to people with whom you disagree. Um, not only might you make a friend out of it, but it might help you understand. Okay, well I can communicate my my stance better. I can communicate this biblical truth in a way that connects more convincingly and and compellingly. And so uh, to just keep in mind that that we need each other, mm-hmm. and uh, we need to keep close contact with others in the ministry, not only to encourage each other, but to be constantly learning from one another. I love that. That is such a good word to end on. Well, I have learned so much from you, Katie, and um, I'm sure our listeners have too. So I am so thankful just that you chose to spend some time with us at the table today. So thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom, and um, we hope that you have a good lunch. (laughs) Ah, You too. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's always a joy to talk to you. All right, girlfriend. So thankful for you. You too. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.